I want to talk with you this morning about patience, okay? And I almost feel like a hypocrite wanting to teach about that. Because I think if you're anything like me, like I might say that I want to learn patience, but all of my activities, all of my actions throughout the week appear to imply something different, right? Appear to um, imply that actually patience is something that I want everyone else to have around me. Um, but for me, it doesn't feel like something that's, that's needed, right? And think about, we, we live in this society that, that it, it isn't built for patience, right? We only got email in like the mid-90s or something, right? This, I was known at school for a while as dial-up Dave because we didn't have broadband, we had dial-up, you know, and people would send like large files over email that would clog up your phone, and it was this thing, but you'd, you'd log into your email like once every three days and you'd have like six emails. Remember the days when you were excited to receive emails? It was like this thing. And yet that was what life was like even just 23, 24 years ago. And yet now if I send somebody a text message and I, or an iMessage and I see the three gray dots, right? You know what I'm talking about if you're an iPhone, the three gray dots, and I know that they're typing and then the gray dots disappear and no message comes through. I'm like, what is this guy's problem? And I might send a passive-aggressive question mark, like just send that it, be like, I know you read this, you know, what's going on, right? If vintage Wi-Fi goes down for like two minutes, we're like, honey, this church is not going to work for us, okay? <laughs> if they can't connect me to the internet, how on earth do they expect me to be connected to God, okay? They're, this is not going to work for us. And so I could very easily teach you about impatience, right? The absence of patience, maybe Maybe you could teach the room about impatience too, right? To bor- but to borrow the inimitable words of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? That I have lived a life of impatience and the reality is that the scriptures teach me that it has cost me a tremendous amount. See, what if I was to tell you that the scriptures teach us that patience is the doorway to becoming the kind of man or the kind of woman that you were created to be. So Romans 5 says this. Come on, come on. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, Romans 5 says this. We, cont- <laughs> we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. The New King James says it a little more succinctly and more straightforward. It says that trouble produces patience, which produces character, which produces hope. It's this reality going on that God invites us into this journey that begins in this place called trouble and if we so choose, can end in a place called hope. But what is required to move into from trouble to hope is the development of our character as men and women. And what's required for the development of our character as men and women is that we would first have patience in our trouble. Because I think what the scriptures teach us is this, is that before God will do something through us, His invitation is first to do something in us. Now that isn't a prerequisite for God doing stuff, right? There are plenty of examples of God working through men and women who didn't have a connection to him, 
all right? But I can assure you, you do not want to be that character in the story. And so for us, I think it's true to say that we have an impatience for God to do something through us. And we do not have enough patience for God to first do something in us. And so the scriptures teach us in Romans 5 that if we want to be a people who have hope, we must first be men and women who've developed character. And if we want to become men and women who've developed character, we must first be men and women who have learned the act of patience in trouble. It's like what the scriptures are teaching us, like you open up Google Maps on your phone and the big red dot describes where you are right now and the big red dot says trouble, right? I don't care what your week has been like, what your day has been like. If you just pause for a moment, you can acknowledge that if you open up the Google Maps of your life, the big red dot is saying, I'm in a place, there is trouble around me. And I'm trying to move the blue dot, I type in the blue dot, and I want to go to a place called hope. I want to move from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope. And I click the button, and I hear the voice starting root, and I see that the journey is taking me through a place called patience and through a place called character. Right, And I can select the nice female British voice on Google Maps to make the journey a little more pleasant, okay? but it doesn't make the journey any shorter. That the reality of scriptures teaches us that if we want to be the kind of men and women who live lives of hope, we have to move from our trouble through patience into character and then arrive at hope. So I want to look this morning at just a few examples from the Old Testament and then share a little of my own experience in this about this journey that we see God invite us into. This journey of men and women who would journey from the red dot of trouble to the blue dot of hope through these places of patience and character. The three examples I want to look at, first, uh, Joseph in prison, King David in exile, and Daniel in Babylon. I want to start with Daniel. We've been, if you've been here the last few weeks at Vintage, we've been studying the book of Daniel. And I'm not going to ruin the story for you or anything like that, but I want to just touch back on something that Greg taught about last week, and it's this reality that at age 14, Daniel as a young man is taken into the land of Babylon, he's taken into exile, and he begins this three-year journey of sort of brainwashing, right, where the Babylonians take this young man in his, at age 14 through 17, and teach him about their culture, their gods, lowercase g, their culture, their way of seeing the world. And when we sometimes think about the story of Daniel, we think about the reality of when he's in the lion's den much later in his life as being this remarkable demonstration of Daniel's courage, and it is. But I would suggest that the three years that Daniel spent as a young man in this kind of brainwashing program were far more dangerous to him than the 12 hours that he spent in the den of the lions. Because these were the formative years of his life where his head, his heart, his soul was being um, attacked and others trying to wrestle it away from him. And I would suggest that he would never have ended up demonstrating 
the courage in the lion's den if he had not first learned patience in the palace of the prince. See, he's in this kind of brainwashing program for three years or so, but the entire exile is 70 years. So three years from age 14 in this brainwashing program, and then another 67 years on top of that before the exile ends. Now, I don't know about you, but I think at some point in that 70-year journey, I'm making a different choice. See, maybe not week one, maybe not month one, maybe not even year one, but I think about by year 27, all right, if I'm Daniel, realistically, I'm saying this isn't worth it. Because if I will, if I will submit myself to their gods, to their culture, to their desires, all of this riches and fame awaits me. And yet Daniel was prepared to sit patiently waiting through the trouble. His character was developed so that today, thousands of years later in Fort Collins, Colorado, his story becomes a story of hope. That he left a legacy of hope because he developed his character by waiting patiently in the trouble. This patience then was the formative thing that allowed his character to be developed and allowed the hope to come out of his story. We see too in David who would eventually become the king of Israel. And again, Greg hit on this um, Uh, I've been thinking about this story for the last few weeks, but Greg mentioned this part of David's story last week. And if you're just making assumptions that I just steal notes from Greg, that's a fair assumption. Um, And so, but I just, in this story, this is before he's become king, right? And he's on the run from Saul because Saul wants him dead because Saul's essentially jealous of David. David is the chosen king of Israel. He would later become the greatest king that Israel ever had. And he's on the run and he's running and he hides in this cave called the cave of Adulam, which means the cave of refuge. And we don't actually know in this case exactly how long he's on the run for. It's not the last time he's on the run, by the way. When he becomes king later, he's on the run again, okay? You don't want to become close friends with this guy, okay? You're going to be moving around a lot. But the historians estimate that maybe 10 years or so maybe under that, that he's on the run. He is God's chosen king for the people of Israel and yet Saul wants him dead and so he goes running and is hiding in different places but eventually in this cave with no food, with no shelter, with very little protection, with, with nothing close to the riches that were in a sense rightfully his. And in that place, in that cave, he does what David would do which is he decides to start writing some poetry. Right? Don't you just hate guys sometimes? You're like, come on, can't you just complain? Well, he does complain, but he does it in poetic form, which is beautiful. Okay. But here's a couple of the things that, we, that David writes in this cave. I want you to understand because I think that the risk, what I don't want to do is walk away from this message this morning with you going back to your cars or, or, or to your homes and saying, you're right, man, if I could only just be like these perfect guys these perfect examples of patience. And yet, 
he's right, I just don't have it, I don't have what it takes. But what we learn is that it's a human struggle to want to get out of the trouble. It takes a choice to wait patiently for God to develop our character in the midst of it. And so David writes this as he's waiting in the cave of Adulam in Psalm 142. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord of mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. It's like, again, to use that analogy, we've opened up Google Maps and we've gone find my phone and we found David and we find out exactly where he is that that's the place he's at. This was not a guy who's in the cave, just skipping around the cave, being like, you know, this is pretty nice. We can make this work. Get a little shiplap on the walls, uh, get a little, change out the flooring. Like, I could, we can make this work, guys. He's in this place where he's describing the trouble that he feels, and he's gonna be waiting in this place for up to 10 years or so, right? I get frustrated and impatient when I have to wait six more months for the next series of Downton Abbey to come out, right? <laughs> And here, with, with side note, you guys think that's a drama. It's actually reality TV, okay? That's, it's how life is, right? But David's waiting for 10 years, and that is the cry of his heart. And so I want to encourage you that if you feel in a place of trouble and you are crying out to God, God, they are coming for me. You don't get it. I want you to know that you're in good company, with men and women who've gone before us who have been in a place of trouble and have been wrestling to take hold of patience. David also in that cave writes this in Psalm 57. He says, have mercy on me, my God, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for me, they dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. You see, David understood the journey that if he was ever gonna move from a place of trouble to be a man known for hope, he was gonna have to first have his character developed. And the only way it turns out for your character to be developed in this case is by waiting patiently in the trouble that you're in. Because David understood that for God to one day do something through him, he had to first open himself up for God to first do something in him. And we so desperately wanna be part of things that are succeeding right now. We so desperately wanna be rescued from our trouble right now. 
And yet here are just two examples of um, Daniel and David, 70 years in exile, almost 10 years in a cave, and these men become men whose stories are known throughout human history for the hope that they brought to the world. Thousands and thousands of years later, because they learned what it was to go on the journey from trouble through patience to character and to hope. Lastly, let's look at the life of Joseph. Now, Joseph is, as you know, he's... um, Well, at one point he's thrown into prison, right? Wrongly so. And he translates the dream of this cupbearer, the cupbearer who had served the Pharaoh, and he translates this cupbearer's dream. And as as Joseph predicted in the dream, this cupbearer is released. And as the cupbearer is released, he's like, hey, Joseph's like, hey, don't forget me, right? Tell Pharaoh about me, get me out of here, Okay. And the cupbearer's like, absolutely. I got you, bro, okay? Absolutely. And then the cupbearer forgets. Okay, you ever like had a coffee date with somebody and show up and they forget? And you're sat at Bindle and you're like posting passive aggressive social media messages, you know, like picture of you with a cup of coffee, hashtag no show, hashtag lonely, hashtag guess I know who my real friends are. You know, you're doing that, right? But here's what happens. It says in Genesis, the cupbearer forget it, forgot him. And then the very next line in Genesis 41, it says, over two years later. Ouch. He was forgotten. You ever felt forgotten? You ever felt left behind? You ever felt like you're just in your trouble and there is no end in sight and the one person that you would put all of your hope in to get you out of here forgot you he walked away it says when the cupbearer went out pharaoh threw a party and there's this guy celebrating with wine and whatever i mean he's the cupbearer he gets access to whatever he wants right and joseph is still in prison wondering is that guy ever gonna remember me and the answer is no but the one who did remember him was god And so Joseph spends this time, it was over two years or so in prison, honing and refining the gifts that God has given him because he knew that if he was ever gonna have the privilege of listening to the dreams of the Pharaoh, he had to first submit himself to listening to the dreams of the prisoner. That he was not saying, because I'm stuck here, I cannot serve God. He was saying, in this place, in this trouble, in this suffering, I am gonna wait for the one who will never forget me and I am gonna allow the character of my inner life be developed so that later on Joseph would be a man who would bring what to the world, who would bring hope to the world. That when all of the peoples around the world are dying of salvation, The character of Joseph had looked wisely into the future and planned for this famine so that all of the hope of the world was centered on him because he had learned what it looked like to move from trouble to hope by waiting patiently in the trouble that he was in. It allowed his character to be developed and allowed his legacy to become one of hope. Jesus tells us this in John 16. He says, that in this world you will have trouble. He's inviting each of us into the journey from trouble to patience to character to hope. There are no shortcuts. 
You can't skip. Because the reality is, trouble is this given, right? There shouldn't be a surprise that we're in trouble. Because Jesus tells us, in this world you will have trouble. Now, the kind of trouble we're in, and the cause of the trouble, and the duration of the trouble, and the intensity of the trouble, those things can surprise us, right? There's a lot of unknowns in that, but the fact that we are in places of trouble should not be a surprise, because Jesus did what remarkable world-class leaders do. He just told the truth. And the invitation is to say, if you will wait in this trouble with patience, your character will be developed. See, I don't know about you, but when I'm in trouble, I want to get out of it as quick as possible, right? But there's this remarkable principle that we've been talking about in the scriptures is that it is in the trouble that my character is developed. And it's one of the reasons, by the way, that I want to get out of the trouble as quickly as possible. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm in a place of trouble, things within me rise to the surface. See, it's like you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you find what's really inside it, right? And when you're in trouble and you're being squeezed around, you find out who you really are. And for most of us, it's not a really pretty picture. Now, it doesn't mean it's shaming, it doesn't mean it's something we'd be embarrassed about, but it's to say... We want to get out of the trouble quickly because all these things are bubbling up within me. Maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's anger, maybe it's judgment. But the reality is there's this truth, I think, that no matter what kind of trouble we are in, there is always something for us to learn about ourselves. Always some part of our character to be developed. And so Jesus' guarantee is that in life you will find trouble. And the scripture's guarantee is that if you will wait patiently in trouble, you will find life. That if you will learn the practice of patience, to say, God, I will wait patiently because although I feel like David in the Psalms, or although I feel like Joseph must have felt when the cupbearer walked out and forgot him, And although I must have felt like Daniel, like looking at the clock every month, being like, when is this going to end? God, this is like the prime of my life. (laughs) And I'm wasting it in exile. That through all of that, what we understand is that, yes, they found trouble in life. And yet, these men and women who have gone before us practiced patience and so found life in the trouble. The songwriter writes um, that your goodness is running after, is running after me. That, do you and I know that the love of God, the goodness of God is pursuing us? It is running after us and there's this reality, right? Imagine if you're trying to pursue me. I have an option, right? And my practice in life as I'm in trouble is I'm gonna start running away from it. I'm gonna start pushing and achieving and doing whatever I can to get out of this mess that I'm in. How's that working out for me? (laughs) What if the invitation to patience is an invitation to allow the pursuit to catch up with me? An invitation to allow the goodness that is running after me to catch up to me and surround me and change my character in a way that I so desperately crave. So church, I know that our heart is to be a people that God does something through. 
Our invitation is with patience to invite God to work in us that we would first be a people that God would do something in. That we could live lives full of character and live a legacy of hope. Let's stand together.